Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today's a special day. It's actually my first episode and uh, Destiny had it that a very special friend of mine accepted to come on the show. Dion Joano is here with us. He's a friend, a family man, a philanthropist, and an extremely successful executive. He has over a 25-year career as a corporate executive, a private company CEO, COO, board member, private equity advisor, and entrepreneur. What can I tell you? There's nothing this man hasn't achieved. We've known each other for over 21 years, and he actually hired me in my first real job in the U.S. back in the day when Nortel existed and was one of the most thriving companies in telecom. He has an amazing family. This is why he's also on this show. He's found career balance and family balance like no one else I know. Has an amazing wife, Claudia, and she's a good friend of mine. They have three amazing boys that are now young adults starting their lives and an extremely interesting background. So I'm not going to keep talking because I can talk about you, Dion, for two hours straight. So I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Leticia, and appreciate the kind words as your intro. And I think one of the best things I did do was hire you. So I'm glad you put that as one of the uh, list of accomplishments. Well, you know, I take it as a sign from destiny. You were almost my first boss here, and now you're my first interview. So good, it must be a good, good thing going Well, happy on. to be here. Thank you, Dion. You know, you're on this show because we've had many conversations where we talk about life and our careers. You don't find balanced people that often. So I wanted you to come and share some of your experiences. And let's start just with your background. Can you share your early years, where your family's from, and just... In general, who were you as a kid? What were the things that interested you the most? Sure, I think that's a good place to start because our character and our priorities get defined very early on in life, but where we raised and how we raised, so a good place to start. I was raised in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, I'm a third-generation South African. My heritage is Greek, so all of my grandparents, great-grandparents came from either Cyprus or Greek. And, you know, being part of a Greek family, it was stressed very early to us that family and friends were the number one priority. So we were raised in a very tight-knit Greek family, and all of our decisions revolved around keeping that family unit intact. You know, being raised in South Africa in uh, the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s was a very interesting time to be raised there. As you're probably aware, that was during the time of apartheid, which was, a, in essence, a dictatorship in the country that uh, had a system of separation uh, based on the color of your skin. And, and people wow. ask, you know, how did apartheid last as long as it did, uh, being such an oppressive system? And it's like any type of dictatorship. It lasted that long because it had very tight government control. And the government used fear and control of the media and isolation from the rest of the world uh, to keep this system, this horrible system in place for as long as it did. But I was raised, you know, and given a choice, either I would be a part of the system and see uh, things in, in terms of color, or I could fight the system. 
Um, and my family decided to do the opposite. We were never supporters of apartheid and spent most of our time in South Africa trying to either fight that regime or leave that regime. So, you know, if I think about my youth, you know, and what I really enjoyed as far as being in South Africa, despite not enjoying being part of that system, I really enjoyed the South African way of life when it came to sports. We were really encouraged to get out there and do as much as possible on the sports field and play multiple sports. Uh, we were really encouraged also to you know, spend time in the wild. So we did a lot of safaris and wildlife conservation was a big part of our life. And then what happened is, you know, for me, because I didn't like this, the system of apartheid and we were isolated from the world, I didn't have TV till I was 14, 15. So we really didn't know what was happening in the rest of the world. I had this great yearning, you know, to go and see what the rest of the world, and I, I would call it the free world, was like, because we really had no idea. So, you know, this idea of traveling and experiencing, you know, what life was like uh, outside of South Africa was something that was with me from, you know, a very, very young age. That's fascinating. And I can relate so much to that because my country, Venezuela, is going through something similar at different times. But as I hear this story for the first time, put it in this way, I can see already so many traits that you have as a person. And I don't want to jump ahead, but definitely that have defined you. So you were 14 and uh, you already were saying, I want to see what's out there. And then what happened? How did you end up in the US? So I, I went once with my parents when I was about 14, 15 years old and visited the US. That was the first and only time I left South Africa before I was 18. And, and that opened up my eyes on what a free world country was like and, and really whetted my appetite. So, you know, when I left school, I had a choice in South Africa. I could either go to college. Uh, I had to attend the army at some point, which you could do either before or after college. Or I could do something completely different and try and leave the country. The primary objective was to keep, keep apartheid in place. And as I was fighting against the system, it would go against my beliefs. So, I decided to look at alternatives and I applied for an American field service and exchange program in high school. So even though I finished high school in South Africa, I did one more year of high school as part of this exchange program. And that's how I came to the United States. I was sent to St. Louis, Missouri, where I lived with a very religious Baptist family. And I went to a very multiracial school that was in uh, a, a city called Overland Park in St. Louis, Missouri. So that was really a tremendous experience for me where I experienced a very different school life, a very different interracial experience, and also a very different family life. Once I finished that program, I had a choice. I had to either go back to my country and continue my life in South Africa, or I could use that as a springboard to a new life. And I was very fortunate to have a tennis scholarship at the University of Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. Uh, offer. And that really was the catalyst for me changing my life as I accepted that offer at 19 years old and decided to come back to the United States on my own uh, at 19 to play tennis at Southern Illinois. And about one year after I came to my new university, I made the decision that I would not return to South Africa and I would make America my home. And so once I communicated that decision to my family, my parents decided to follow me to the U.S. and followed me one year later. So I was in the United States as an exchange student in 1985. I moved as a college student in 1986. In 1987, I decided to uh, settle permanently in this country. 
and have made it my home ever since. Wow, and that decision affected really your entire family. That's unbelievable. And I, I do have one question. When you decided to come, it was you that did say you went to your dad or your mom and say, I want to go to the U.S.? Or was something that they also kind of implanted in you? My father had always had an, a desire to leave the country. He really did, disliked apartheid. Or I would use the word abhorred or hated apartheid. Uh, but he had not forced us to do that. He had always talked about it and left it as an option. My mother had a lot of family still in South Africa. So even though she was open to the option, it wasn't something she talked about openly. But I made the decision on my own and I told my parents this was a personal decision. If they decided to come, it would be wonderful to to try and get our family back together. But if they did not and they chose to say, stay in South Africa, I would support that decision but continue to make my life in the U.S., So they were always open to it, but my decision, my personal decision to come here was the catalyst. And if you fast forward today uh, in South Florida, they, my parents live two miles from me. My only sister lives two and a half miles from me. And we managed to get my wife's family, her parents and her brother uh, very close to us as well. So we've managed to recreate that uh, that tight family unit that we had in South Africa now in South Florida. That's amazing, Dion, and very inspiring story because you recognized very early on in your life that you wanted to experience something else and realized that what you were living wasn't that good in South Africa with that situation. And you made a super brave decision. And I think that's something that we can all relate to because we all always think about things we'd like to do and we don't do them. And in my case, for example, this is a very small example, but this podcast is also me getting out of my comfort zone and saying, I've always wanted to deal with something like this. And why don't we just do it? And that's a trait that it's so good to have even so early on that you could act upon what you wanted to do. So now you're in the US and you're playing tennis. And I know this is something that you still do, correct? Would you define tennis as the catalyst? It enabled you to be here in a way. Is that something that you do, one of your rituals, so to speak, to keep connected to who you are? Yes. I mean, I think that it is very important no matter where you are in your life. If you're a student, if you're early in your career, if you at the prime of your career to do things that connect you to yourself and also bring peace to your life, right? And in my case, tennis is a major part of that sport in general, but led by tennis. And so I still uh, exercise, I would say, five days a week, play tennis as much as I can between my travels. And more importantly, I train hard and I, uh, I still compete in local and national tournaments. But the other thing I learned from South Africa as well was the sense of adventure. You know, we do a lot in South Africa outdoors. So we do a lot of hiking. We do a lot of motorbike, motocross riding, camping and so forth and so on. And that's something I continue to do myself and with my boys. So, for example, you know, my boys and I still do motocross together. We do a lot in the outdoors. So, you know, staying active uh, on the sports field and also staying active in adventure sports is something I've done all my life and continue to do and hopefully pass it on to my children. That's great. And I do am a witness that you prioritize on those. Like you have an extremely busy schedule. You're the living example I give to other people when we say, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And in my own case, people say, how do you get time to do so many things? And I know, well, I know other people that make it happen as well. And that in an extremely busy life, you make time for your friends You make time to come on a podcast. You make time to be fantastic at your job and your family. 
So it is possible. And that's something that has always been food for thought for me in terms of uh, how you can make all these things happen at the same time. Yeah, you know, lady, I think it comes down to priorities. And, you know, I think it's very important to understand your priorities. For example, you know, if I had to define my priorities in order of importance, I would say my number one priority is to be a good parent and a good husband. The second one would be to be a good friend. The third one would be to give back to society um, because I feel very fortunate for what I have. And then the last one would be to, you know, in work to be very good at what I call productive leadership. So obviously, you know, we need to perform in the workplace, but at the same time, being a good leader is very important to me. But I've defined it that way, not because I don't work hard or I don't strive to be successful in business, but I put those other priorities ahead because if you don't, it's very easy to get caught up in the stresses and the rigors of a career. And the other things will not consciously sometimes fall to the wayside. So if you want to be balanced, if you want to be uh, strong at home while you're in a very difficult career, you have to define those priorities and work hard at keeping those priorities in order. I couldn't agree more with you because I feel sometimes that the conventional definition of success is linked to, you know, how much power or money or influence you have. And when I have conversations with other people and you and I have had conversations about people we know in common that, you know, uh, are so focused on, on pursuing that version of success and that we cannot relate because you and I have said at some point, we just want to enjoy what we do. We want to enjoy our jobs. We want to work with people we like. And it's a constant struggle. It is not, it's not easy. And it's something you, you do almost on a weekly basis. And, you know, I would say this, you know, when it comes to business, I have kind of two priorities, two, two thought processes that drive the way I do business. Um, the first is, you know, prioritize your balance, which we've talked about. And the second is always try and do the right thing. You know, you often are faced with very difficult decisions in the business world. And I've always tried to do the right thing and balance my life. Now, what that, and by the way, I haven't always got it right. I'm sure you'd find people who might not have understood a decision I made or, or don't agree with my philosophy, but I've always tried very, very hard to do that. Now, if you, if you do that, if you always try and do the right thing and you balance your life and, and prioritize your balance, you're going to be faced with tough decisions that are going to mean you're going to forego either opportunities, the ability to get promoted, the ability to make a lot of money. Um, and you just have to be ready to make those trade-offs because it isn't, as you said, conventional. Um, the easy thing is just to keep moving on a path that you know continues your trajectory and, and, and gives you financial security, but it's often at the expense of balance. And so if I had to think back, I've, I've made those decisions as best I can, and it's probably cost me a lot of opportunities, both financial and you know, positions in the business world, but I did, I did that to prioritize, you know, my role as a father and a husband. And while it was very, very difficult now when I'm, you know, 53 years old, looking back at, you know, a a 25 year career, I am forever grateful that I found the strength to make those decisions because I am very grateful for the life I had. I believe if I hadn't done that, my life today would be very different in the home with my parents, with my wife and with my children. So it's not easy. And, you know, lady, I I would say, you know, one of the questions I was thinking about for this podcast was, you know, what kind of gave me the strength or what put me on this path? And I think it's two things. Uh, One we've talked about, which is it was my my upbringing and, and that helped a lot prioritize these things. But sometimes in life, something happens 
that makes you really look at your life. And for me, it was the loss of two very dear friends that, that changed my life. I lost my closest friend when I was 19, uh, right when I left my country. But one that was even more traumatic for me was I lost my college roommate who was my best friend, my doubles partner, my best man, the godfather of my children. Uh, his name was Roland Schilder. I lost Roland in my life when he was 41 years old. Um, and there was no warning. He had uh, lung cancer. Uh, he was not a smoker. This was uh, not something that was expected. But, you know, when I lost Roland in 2005, I was right in the middle of the trajectory of my career. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time in his last few days together talking about priorities and what is life all about. And what I realized through those discussions and watching him in the last days of his life was, you know, life could end at any time. And you have to enjoy every day and you have to make sure when your time comes, you feel at peace with what you've done. So I would say, you know, watching him in his last days when he had young children uh, really helped me find perspective in life. And I made a commitment to Roland as he left our world that I would, you know, constantly keep balanced in life and not lose my priorities. And, you know, at that time, I decided to do two things that really kind of changed my life. One I decided to leave the, the current trajectory I was on at Nortel. Um, I was at a very busy time of my career. I had uh, 5,000 people working for me in a, a budget of $5 billion, but it was an all-encompassing role that did not allow me to balance my life very well. And so I decided to leave that world despite being on a very good trajectory and come home and uh, change my life and have a different career a career in consulting and board work that would give me more balance and allow me to be there for my young children who at the time were 10, 8, and 6. And I did that for seven years, uh, which which I now am forever grateful for because I was here with my children in their formative years instead of being on the road trying to run a business. And the second thing I did was I decided to buy a summer home in the mountains of North Carolina that would allow us as a family uh, and all my friends to escape the busy world at different times through the year and spend time in the mountains hiking and motorbiking and just spending time in nature to reconnect and it's those two things are the things that helped me get balance in life and I'm forever grateful I found the strength through this tragedy to find this balance in my life. Wow that's that's an amazing story of course uh, I knew about it. I had a similar situation with one of my best friends uh, that died in a car accident at 17. And I kind of have the same realization. It's it's sad that we have to go through these deep traumatic losses of people that were walking down the path with us. I always say you see someone older than you passing away and, and it's very sad. But when you see someone that's on the same path that you are in and you're sharing your life and you're supposed to believe in the same things and all of a sudden they don't get the chance to do that and you do, you do feel that extra responsibility to make it count. And I totally relate to that, Dion. And I believe that you are a very wise man in doing what you do. I've been lucky enough to have gone to that special summer house you have, and it's definitely a place to reconnect. And it's funny you mentioned that because I believe that there has to be a spot in, in, that we go to. For me, it's also Sicily, where my parents are from. Every time I'm there, I feel I can touch my soul. I can go back to an ageless Letty, the, the one that, you know, all throughout the life, I go back to same thoughts here and there. Uh, but then I, I forget about it with the craziness 
of our day-to-day life and being a mom and all the things you mentioned. And then you go into these sacred places and you remember who you are. And it's such a powerful moment. And that's really what I want this podcast to be for our listeners to also try and help them reconnect with that. What is that for each one of them? And I think you're an extremely lucky man that you have figured it out so far. And I'm a, a witness that, that you're doing all these things in a, in a masterful way. So thanks for sharing that. And the last question I have for you is, if you think about your life now and where you are, and of course we go through cycles. Now you have another, uh, you are in another cycle of a very demanding job, correct? Yes. Um, so uh, how are you? Coping with that, are you being able to still stay on the ground? And I know you mentioned, you know, sometimes it's challenging. But besides that, it's in moments of severe stress. What do you do to kind of ground yourself? Is it going to that special place, summer house? Are you spiritual? What is your your secret sauce, so to speak? I, I think the word I would use is perspective. You know, all this experience that we've talked about has helped me keep perspective. You know, today I'm chief operating officer of a medium sized company. Um, and we are on an ambitious journey slash project. So yes, it does get quite stressful. And there's a lot of other things in my life that I'm involved in philanthropically uh, in advisory work. And so, so, you know, perspective helps. So when there's very stressful days or stressful moments or stressful weeks, you know, having that perspective and having the other things in your life that are so rich, your family life, your friends, your special place to escape really does help. You know, in the, in the in my early career, perspective was difficult to attain. You don't have that experience on how do you how do you put all of this in perspective. Well, now after the experiences we've just discussed, it, it's a lot easier. Um, you know, I think the other thing is I think upbringing has a lot to do with it. You mentioned you know you also spend time reconnecting with your family in your special place. I think that is something that in the United States needs to be done more. You and I have more of a European background uh, when we were raised. And I think that's something the Europeans do very well. Uh, they have a very good balance and they do spend that time during the year, extended period of time, taking their vacations and going to that special place. I've always encouraged the people who work for me to do that because I think if you do take your full vacation set and do it peacefully and do it over an extended period of time, you are a much more productive person when you come back. We all need time to recharge uh, and so I continue doing that in my life today, and I, I encourage the people who work for me to do that. And then I would say the last thing that grounds me is, um, you know, I think when you're in a position that I'm in where you, you feel very fortunate to have a good family life, a good set of friends, a good career, and some financial security, I think you should never take that for granted. And what grounds me is I spend time thinking how I can help people who are less fortunate. So and this philanthropic view came much later in my life. Yeah, I would love for you to just briefly describe what is that you do, which I think is amazing. Sure. So the decision my wife and I made was, you know, we wanted to do something personal that would make a difference to a few people's life versus give to some very good charities that have a much broader mandate. I was uh, involved in starting a soccer club here in Fort Lauderdale, a travel soccer club called Fort Lauderdale Select. And through that experience, I came to meet a lot of underprivileged kids in the community that played soccer with my children. And I realized what a tough environment they had at home um, and really didn't have the ability to break a cycle. These were kids who most of them were not going to graduate high school, not going to go to college at all. And it would be very hard for them to break the underprivileged cycle they were in. So my wife and I decided to uh, work with a few individuals that showed the intent to improve their lives. 
And long story short, through putting a program together that included tutoring them through high school, supporting them, uh, working with them on and getting into college, we now have two of those students who not only graduated, moved their GPA from about a 2.0 to a 3.4. They were the first two in their family to graduate high school. And now they are in college. One is a junior, one is a sophomore in college. And they're well on their way to uh, finishing their college degrees and being the first one in their family to do that. You know, we support them financially through college, but almost more importantly, we support them emotionally and give them the encouragement uh, to go on this journey, which is the first journey they've been on. So it, it's great for my wife and I, you know, back to the point, it grounds me, it, it gives me something else to really think about and feel good about. And I think it's great for my children to, to realize that even inside of this great country, there are people who are far less privileged and live very difficult lives. Uh, and it gives me faith also in, in the United States, you know, for us to work within the system and give children a chance if they're willing to work hard uh, to change their cycle is very important. So it's something that's very special to Claudia and myself. And while it's great for the kids we're doing it for, it's also great for us as a family. That's amazing, Dion. That's a really a great initiative. And I think that our listeners will be inspired by what you're doing If anyone is interested in contributing to that great cause, contact us as at uh, backtobasics at yahoo.com. And uh, I want to thank you for such an amazing and inspiring conversation. Well, Lady, I, I want to thank you too. I think, you know, doing this is good. You know, uh, we don't all get it right. We all do our best. But I think a great learning is to learn from each other. You know, I spend a lot of time in my career talking to people like yourselves and others that I like and respect and try and learn from them and adapt, you know, my life and improve my life on a daily basis. So, you know, while my, my wife and I don't get it all right, you know, we try and but we're constantly learning. So I think creating a platform for dialogue where we can learn from each other uh, is important. So I thank you for doing it. That's the essence. One of my ultimate goals with this podcast is to launch something that actually you hit on. And it's a movement that that's going to be hashtag time to reconnect because I think this is a conversation that we need to have. And especially what you say here in the U.S., we see that people just get into a very, very hectic schedule. And sometimes we don't value what's important and what makes you tick, which is basically what I want to inspire the listener to think about. So thanks, Dion, for your time. And until the next episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dion. <laughs>